The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and give it up for the highly anticipated, much appreciated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Hope you're doing well, dude. I uh, hope everybody out there is doing well. I just uh, played on Jerry Cantrell's uh, newest thing on, in, uh, a few days ago. Aloha. Now I'm in Maui. Uh, Jerry and I were talking about, you know, going to church and stuff. And you know what? We found out, you know what a, um, a priest, what does a priest say uh, to get rid of insects? Let us pray. Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right. Um, I think it's more let us spray. Not let us pray. Let us spray. Yeah. Sometimes you got to decipher Duff's jokes. Uh, I love them every week, no matter how good or bad they might be. But Duff did send that in all the way from Maui. So aloha, Duff. Thanks for some, uh, taking some time up for vacation to send us some laughs. We appreciate you. And we appreciate all the laughs that Brad Williams and Paul White have brought to Talk is Jericho and the Jericho Cruise. We had a great time last month on the Five Alive, and we did a fun and very amazing podcast uh, very hilarious and insightful podcast with the largest guy in the boat, Paul White, and the smallest guy in the boat, Brad Williams. We did it in the Stardust Theater on the ship, which is why the audio kind of sounds the way it does. Technology doesn't always work the way you want it to when you're in the middle of the ocean, but we pulled it off. We made it happen and uh, get that audio better for next year. But it's a great show and it's worth checking out. We get into what it was like growing up with such extreme height differences than the norm. Talk about everything from first kisses and clothes to sports and handling bullies. Brad shares the story about how he found comedy, and Paul has a couple of funny stories about how he got into wrestling, what it was like meeting Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair for the first time, uh, being one of my, being actually my favorite tag team partner of all time with Jarrah Show. Uh, both guys are talking about how their height and size challenges actually influenced their career choices and directly impacted their road to success. It's a great conversation with Brad Williams and Paul White right here, right now on Talk Is Jericho. Well, I like to put together different podcasts for you guys, things that you won't only hear or see. And I thought, how interesting would it be to have the biggest guy on the boat and the smallest guy on the boat here on the same stage together. So let's bring up and give a warm welcome to Paul White and Brad Williams. (laughs) 
Show told me to go first because uh, if I went uh, second and he fell backwards, there's no more Brad Williams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What? <laughs> You've never climbed a chair before? <laughs> you good? I think I'm okay. I damn it. <laughs> I'll take things I can't do for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> so, um, once again, thought it'd be cool to have both you guys, both of you very, very great guys, very funny, and also see the world from different perspectives that the majority of us never really see. Uh, I will ask the question that you've both probably been asked a thousand times. Six inches. <laughs> Three and a half. <laughs> from the ground. <laughs> One. <laughs> Brad, how tall are you? I'm four foot four. Or 52 inches. I don't know what that is in the metric system. International waters. Who the f knows? Paul, how tall are you? <laughs> well, father time, uh, I was 85, like 7'1", so right now I think I'm just a little under 7 foot. Gravity has kicked my ass a little bit harder than you. <laughs> so you actually shrank a little bit over time. I think so. Over years of wrestling, compressed this, stuff like right. that, so it just happens. Uh, so when did you, um, obviously, like we said, we have a giant, a little person, proper nomenclature of the day, correct? Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. When did you realize, as you're growing up, that you're different from the norm? Uh, my dad sat me down literally before I went to preschool and was like, hey, kids are going to make fun of you, so let's write some comebacks for when those little assholes make fun of you. Like, why are they gonna make fun of me, Dad? They're like, trust me, they're gonna say some shit. And because uh, my dad's tall, we, we uh, my mom's tall, we don't all come from the same tribe. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, my my dad and I literally before the first day of school wrote jokes so that if a kid made fun of me, I would have some shit to say. And literally, this is why my dad's a genius. Uh, a kid came up and was like, "Ha ha, you're so little." And I just looked at him and I went, "Ha ha, your mom doesn't live with your dad anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Southern California. I had a 50 50 shot at getting that one right, and I did. So you just take the kids' inner soul and trash it for state school? Yeah! That's what happens. And all the other kids go, don't make fun of that. <laughs> Paul, how about you? When did you realize you were a little bit different? Uh, let's see. Six years old, I was. Four foot eleven and 102 pounds. And my sister made fun of me. My sister was seven years older, and she goes, "You're square." And I'm, I'm very sensitive kid. What do you mean square? You're square. You got square heads, square hands, and like a square body. But you can see my ribs. I'm not that. You're just square. Everyone be square. <laughs> yeah, like I looked my kindergarten teacher almost in the eye when I went to kindergarten. She was like nice little lady of five foot tall, and she kept trying to push me down the hall to the fourth graders. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> How terrifying is that as a teacher to see a kid in kindergarten your size? Like, well, if he shits his pants, I'm not cleaning that up. Like, <laughs> 
I, I have not shit my, you know how I got over the, we'll, we'll talk about shitting our pants. Your father gave you great advice with jokes. Yeah. My father house broke me in one day. Oh shit. Because grandma really? and mom were like, oh, just tell us if you have to go potty. Tell us if you have to go potty. You don't say shit. You're a kid. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a potty. <laughs> so I got stuck with my dad for a day. My dad was born in 1930, so he's 42 when I was born. You know, and they, they killed their children if they didn't like him back then. Yeah, smart way. Yeah, oh, this one's no good. It can't work in the factory. Kill it. So he says to me, he says, you're going to spend the day with me? If you've got to go to the bathroom, you tell me. If you don't, you're going to stay in it. You're going to wear it. When you get home, you're going to wash it out yourself. Okay, like I'm thinking... This is before I knew that when my old man said something, it was pretty much written as law. So sure enough, I went to the bathroom, grabbed my dad's truck, he's like, you shit yourself, dude. <laughs> Great, he stops the truck, puts me in the back of the truck. <laughs> we lived in Maine! <laughs> also, at the time, you were still 220 pounds, you weren't flying out of that mother. He was 6'5", about 260, and looked like Bluto from Papa. So, <laughs> so I rode everywhere we went that day, I rode in the back of the truck, got home, uh, washed out my, my shorts and my pants at home with a garden hose, and from then I learned when I had to go to the bathroom, everybody knew. I gotta go to the bathroom! There was no more of that shit. He does the same thing today, we've heard it a few times on the boat. It's kind of like my, you know, it's like my self-defense mechanism. I've known to have gas before, so I get nervous. I just fart and wait for the trauma. So, <laughs> so obviously, Brad, when you're born, your parents know that you are yeah. a good deal. When you were born, Paul, did your parents, was there any kind of uh, clues that you'd end up being seven feet? The giant hole where the vagina used to be. <laughs> my mother exploded giving birth to me. How, how much did you weigh when you were born? Uh, a little over seven pounds. Seven pounds? Yeah. It's not like a child. It's not a huge No, I, was, I think I was a little over seven, and I was only like seven, 17 inches. I wasn't very big. Like, my cousin David was born a few days before me, and he was like the hoss. He was like some nine-pound mutant, you know, and there was just little me. So, once again, you, you're realizing very young, though, did, did they know, like, when it's going to stop, or you just kept growing and growing? Well, I wouldn't have been tall anyway. I think, you know, they do that voodoo method where they measure the kid's height at two and a half, and they multiply it by the rotation of Mars and Venus. Your child's going to be somewhere around 6'8". I would have been tall. The shortest man in my family, I think, is my cousin Ted, who's like 6'3". So right. most of the men are 6'3 to 6'7, and most of the women are 5'10 to 6'3. So with very strong hips. Yeah, very <laughs> strong hips. Yes, my mom didn't even stop working. She was like, okay, all right, back on ship. Um, but I got the tumor, the tumor. I got the tumor right around nine years old, they figured. So, and then that, um, accelerated everything. That's why even as big as I am with uh, the tumor and stuff, um, I was very athletic when I was younger and had good uh, symmetry and it all worked out because my body was meant to be big. It wasn't right. that they, they stretched somebody smaller and made them abnormally seven foot. They just packed a little bit more in and this is what we got. And for me, who's not a doctor, clearly most of you are, uh, when, you, when, when you say the tumor, what are you talking about? See, that's why you're so smart, Brad. I was going to ask that question. It's my show. <laughs> uh, most people that are like me, you'll see them with large hands, 
my head's shaped different. Like your ear canals, this is getting really personal now, but I feel like I can share with you on cruise. Your ear canals go straight in. My ear canals go up. I've never had an ear infection because water doesn't stay in my ear because literally my ear connections go up. Sinus cavities are bigger, tongue's thicker, bones are more dense from the growth hormone. And that's a tumor on the pituitary gland, which if you look at the brain, like the front lobe of a brain, this is the spinal column, this is the brain. Right under the brain is a little pocket where the pituitary gland sits. And to intersect on those points, if you went straight through the eye and straight, th straight through the nose and straight through the ear, where those two points intersect is where that pituitary gland is is uh, located. They have to go in through the top of your uh, through the top of your uh, mouth and cut a little hole in that bone pocket, and then laser surgery it out. Then pack the bone pocket, and you know, hopefully there's no side effects. Would have been great if you could have laser surgery it out and lent it to you, Brad. <laughs> no shit, I could have used that. <laughs> I might be able to ride a ride at Six Flags if that was the case. <laughs> Listen, I can't ride a Six Flags either, Dick. <laughs> the best part is that this is not the first time me and Paul have met. I actually met you at the LAX airport. Uh, we're just on, like, we're just at baggage claim. Right. right. And, I, and I met you, and everyone else there at LAX thought it was a bit. Because <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan. I just walked up. I was, you know, hey, Brad, you know, I'm a comedian fan, so I knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm Brad Wiz. I'm like, yeah, man. It was just this moment where everyone else was terrified. Uh, is he gonna eat the little fella? <laughs> He's awfully excited. That's his snack for later. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like they literally who's thought the it was. Who's the top and who's the bottom? <laughs> for the love of God, I hope I'm the top. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then I remember I texted you, Chris, yes. and was like, hey, I just, you know, I just met Paul at the airport. And then you texted me back the most insane thing. You're like, wait, he wasn't scared when he saw you? I'm like, okay, we don't need to break that up. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what do you mean scared? And you're like, yeah, Paul's afraid of little people. <laughs> Paul. Well, you know, I thought for sure that we would. That's a creepy man. You cut that I had never been around little people. So, um, getting into the wrestling business, they're sorry, that's one of Paul's farts. That's why the entire theater <laughs> shaking right now. I, I was hoping no one would notice. I had chili for lunch. Um, I've never been around little people, and I was young, and you, you think things very immaturely when you're young. But they used to send the mean ones after me in wrestling. And they would, Jack Lanza used to send us, there was one in New Orleans. Uh, Great little guy, I can't remember his name, but he had the most up teeth. <laughs> like his teeth went everywhere, and he would run up and try to bite me on the leg. And I said, "Listen, man, I know they're putting you up to it, but I will kick you and kill you. Get the fuck away from me." <laughs> and it wasn't, believe it or not, it wasn't until Hornswoggle that not I, me. That, Hornswoggle was my first, sorry, you're my second. It wasn't until being around Hornswoggle that I actually uh, realized we identify in a lot of social situations, we're the same thing. You know, like we're both, we're both gimmicks. We're not made to fit into real life. Like, we're attractions. Like, the show goes on really well 
without us. Sure, it can be enhanced with us, but we're attractions. So, uh, and putting clothes on that drunk midget where he would get drunk, stripped naked, try to fight everybody in the bar. And there's a giant running around behind him, picking up his clothes, going, come on, Dylan, come on, Dylan. That's true. Put your clothes on, Dylan, Dylan. Mark Foyle has challenged me to more than a, fight, more than a few fights over the years. Uh, but my favorite one was, was Hornswoggle, uh, who's, by the way, is a fantastic dad. He's a great he is, yeah. Fantastic father. Uh, he got really drunk in, in uh, Ireland <laughs> when we got stuck there because of, the, uh, of the volcano blowing up in, in Iceland. So we are in Ireland like for a week. Like, I'm smart. I know I don't need to be in trouble. I went, I bought a PlayStation, I stayed in my room. I played God of War 14 hours a day. <laughs> I, I'm like, I do not need to be in Ireland with these saucy Irish guys that want to get drunk and fight the biggest guy they can find. This, this will be a problem. I will sit in my room. So I go down to the bar one night. One night, I'm going to go down and socialize, because I'm not a social person, I'm a little bit of an introvert, so I go down to the bar, and uh, Hornswoggle is being chased by Batista, who's trying to put his clothes on. You, Batista, Hornswoggle, real Mary kill situation. <laughs> Mary fucking, you want to marry me, I'm a good cook, so. so uh, Horn, uh, Batista's kind of dressed, Hornswoggle dressed in the restroom. And this drunk Irish guy comes in, you know, from Ireland. Go to me, I have too much to drink, yeah. You know, and Hornswoggle goes, yeah, I just got that your wife. <laughs> he went right to that. <laughs> he right to this, there it is. And then the guy's getting mad, and you know, Dave is, Dave Batista is the calmest dude on the planet, like, his heart rate's a steady 30 beats a minute. He's very soft-spoken, he's very calm, but he will go from zero to 290 in a second and not give a shit. So the guy goes, I would just say you little I'll kick your ass. The guy is gonna beat up drunk Hornswoggle. And Dave's kind of like, come on, man, it's okay. He's, he's drunk, he's drunk. The guy says, finally, Dave just goes, okay, I your wife, now what? <laughs> And then, when they shifted gears, that's kind of the end of it right there. Like, that, that, that courage sobered up really fast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Brad, going back to your elementary school days, yeah. um, do you have lots of friends? Are you yeah. involved in sports? What's yeah. I played, dude, I played hockey. Uh, Were you the boxer? No! wrestled in high school. I was very outgoing. I had, I had a lot of friends just because there were like, there was one time a, a kid got transferred into the school, new kid, and I guess he had some sort of prison mentality because he's like, all right, I got to beat somebody up on the first day and they'll respect me. And then he chose me because, you know, he's a target. 
Yeah, so uh, he beat me up, and then uh, uh, that day after school, we didn't hear from him ever again. Because I, <laughs> I had a lot of friends, and they were like, he beat you up, and then they all, they, they all went and took him out. So I was kind of like everybody's buddy, uh, which was great, and uh, no, but like I got no complaints about my childhood. It was fun. How, how, do, you, how, how do you skate? Oh, I would skate with my legs, dipshit. You gotta like, have strides. And yeah, shit. I got. I, I do. My ass is the size of Sky Blues. I got power. Okay, <laughs> I got fucking power. something similar like that too. Yeah? My first, I played football and as a senior I was seven foot three thirteen and ran five flat pads. And I used to, and I played soccer because I was a goalie, though my dad called me a ghoulie, which was kind of f***ed up. But <laughs> I don't know if it So yeah. I kicked the ball off in high school, they formed that little wet, that yeah. little wall. I had about 30 yards to get wide open and went through it at 313 pounds. Jeez. Now high school kids go about a buck 80 to 200 on average if they're big. Yeah. Equipments, kids, shit went everywhere. <laughs> One of the kids I hit is laying there, collarbone on the ah, screaming. And this mom comes on the field with those plastic cups full of beer. There was beer in the high school football South game? Carolina, buddy. You bet you're honest. Fuck yeah. All right. You know what? <laughs> Southern California. The, different she world. She throws the cup right in my face. She goes, you f***ing mind boy. And I looked at my friend Dre. I went, what's a mind boy? <laughs> he looks at me and goes, it's not good, man. It's not good. <laughs> so what about for you growing up, Paul? Did you have a lot of friends? You mentioned you're not uh, the most social. I did not. Being so tall must be hard. I did not, because when I grew up, like, my parent, my mom was a cop, my dad was a mechanic. We didn't have a lot of money in the 80s. And actually, my dad was in the airline industry in the 80s, which there were a lot of tough things going on in the airline industry. And um, we couldn't get close to fit. Like, I couldn't get cool tennis shoes. Like, everybody else had, like, members-only jackets and, and colorful, like, Jordan jeans or whatever they wore. Yeah, I was an Oshkosh. Yeah. 
Well, I was in dicky work pants with red wing boots and flannel shirts. You're going to work. <laughs> well, my dad was also didn't like long hair. Back then, everybody had the feathered hair. And, no, I had a crew cut. <laughs> so I didn't start making friends uh, until I started playing sports. Until sports mattered. Like I, I was hung around adults because I was because I worked with my dad and I worked with my grandfather. So. I didn't get some of the funny stuff that they did. I had an adult, so I was always in the corner reading. Like they, you know, I can remember reading in school in the corner and kids throwing shit at me, like to see if it would move. Mm. But on the inside, I'm still, I'm still a 12 year old. Right. You know, why are these people throwing things at me? Yeah. You know, and then it wasn't until sports came along. I was like, oh, I can destroy your f kid and not get in trouble. <laughs> We all know Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> Big Show still reads a lot of books to this day, but he listens to them on audio books. You're not supposed to tell Chris. There's a pro code, man. In the dressing room. Would you shut that off already? Stick to your Dungeons and Dragons books. I'm a nerd. I don't care. I like. I like dragons, I like vampires, I like werewolves, I like all that shit. I like anything other than what's going on today. So yes, I do listen to a lot of that. But Chris and I tied together, so we, we ended up turning into a married couple at one point. Where he would say, because I have my little speaker, you know, he goes, turn that f off. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine, sorry, I'm bothering Mr. Jericho, you know. <laughs> what match are we on the card? The card's right in front of you. I don't have my glasses. Well, put your glasses on. Where are your glasses? Where are they? I can't find them. Yeah, look, find in your, them. look in your bag. They're right there. He's literally standing over my bag with me, telling me to look at my bag for my glasses. The card's right there, buddy. Just, just read it for me. Help me out, would you? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you remember one of those bizarre segments that I've ever been involved with and you and I were in there where we had to fight a whole troop of little people? When I was dressed as Santa Claus? Trust me, I remember that day. Dark day for my people. I have mentally blocked that out like some kind of pain, but now I remember it. Do you guys ever see that? So I'm dressed as Santa Claus around Christmas time, and I've been fired from the WWE because I lost a match where Mike Tyson was my partner and knocked me out instead, and DX beat me, so then I got fired. Only in wrestling, right? So I come out of Santa Claus and I bring out little my little buddy Paul and uh, I sit on his lap and I ask him what he wants for Christmas and he wants his friend Chris Jericho to be reinstated into the WWE and I'm, I grant the wish so I basically rehired myself and at the time Hornswoggle was in DX so he came to the ring I do not remember how this happened. Do you remember Brian Cup? Uh, it gets talked a lot about at the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So you guys have mediums, huh? Oh shit! All right, said the quiet part out loud. Uh, I I don't remember that. Specific we get surrounded by by uh, Hornswoggle's friends, and they're all staring at us, right? And I'm dressed as fucking Santa Claus as well, which is great. And so beforehand, we told all all, all the all the people. Um, don't move until I give the signal. So they're all gathered around us in a circle, right? And then I'm like, now, nah. and they all charge us. And they're like, like kicking us and kicking our shins. And I think Paul is still a little bit weirded out at this point in time. I'm trying to get over a fear that immediately got, you know, I'm trying to get over a fear that immediately got unlocked when all those little motherfuckers came at me. So I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're people, they count, they're people, they're people. We have to attack in groups. That's the only way we can do it. Pack tactics. Yeah. Dude, he is throwing these guys around. He picked up this one guy looked like a, you know when you pick up a turkey, uh, an uncooked turkey for Thanksgiving, it kind of all kind of dangles. He picked up this one dude and like pitched him over the top rope and kicked another guy. And it was so bizarre. And I just remember thinking like, man, I never learned this in wrestling school. Dress up as Santa Claus and attack little people. Huzzah. <laughs> Yeah, that was Dude, they would call me every now and then because, like, they would do little person spots and they wouldn't go out to, like, there was one dwarf wrestler, his name's like Short Sleeve Samson. And, uh, oh, like, three people know him. And so, like, he was like Mini Undertaker. He was, like, he wasn't Mini Booker T, obviously. Uh, but, like, dude, like, they would always call him. And I got on the call list one time. I was going to be Mini Spirit Squad. And I was gonna come out, and then uh, uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Triple H are gonna kick my ass, and a bunch of other little people. Uh, so they, this tends to be something that gets pitched in the writers' room often. But uh, so, but then literally the day of the show, they called me with, "Ah, oh, the idea is scrapped. We're doing something else." But I, I was this close to having a WWE debut. We Hornswoggle and I did a used to do a spot in a live events where he would come out of the ring and I would, he would try to attack me and I would just turn around and KO punch him from above and he would lay there dead. And we talked Arn Anderson and do it on the weekend of the live events, but it wasn't getting a reaction like, oh yay, it was like, is he really dead? <laughs> you know that, that uncomfortable heat where nobody can chew? Everybody just goes, did we just witness a crime? We got the TV money, they're like, yeah, you can't do that spot of Hornswoggle anymore. It's, it's too much. I'm like, in this company, it's too much? Really? Well, it's, it's no worse than taking a splash from the top rope from Hornswoggle. Oh my god, yeah. Terrible. Because, because you guys are like bowling balls. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you can't, you can't flatten out your weight. It's just no, no, that, that's the thing. And so many times people think that they can pick me up and they think that I'm going to be like this. Like, oh, he's probably going to be like 60 pounds. And you're actually amateur wrestler, so you know how to drop your weight. Exactly. So I've thrown out two backs uh, from people that have like tried to lift me and they go like, oh. And like, because I'm like, dwarves, the way we're built, all, all our weight is in the middle. So like, you can't spread it out. You can't right. put it in, in yeah. So I, so I imagine those splashes hurt. Oh, it's terrible. I took it once and that was it. Never again. I took a splash from Hornswoggle too. And I think he like fractured a rib for real. It was like, because his legs and feet didn't touch. It was just all right, right here. And you're like, 
that's heavy. Like, but it messes with your mind because you're like, he's like, but I guess it's like the key to the fortress of solitude with Superman. It's like a hundred million tons in a small density of a star. See, I told you I was a Let's talk about uh, dating when you guys were in high school. <laughs> So, everybody lets their daughter date Bigfoot, right? <laughs> so, here is where I may actually have an advantage uh, over Paul is that I would go to little people conventions, and these are these are these are real things. These are real oh, things. You see, that's so unfair. I, I went to a tall person convention one time. What, it was just you and NBA players? <laughs> no. No, there's a lot of us out there, but they are hidden because it was like an episode of X Files. It was like. <laughs> I was like, you're my people, and I don't want to do with you. So, like, they had like uh, the 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 national convention is every summer, and uh, it's over a thousand little people that go into one hotel. Which, whenever I go, I always think to myself, you know, there's some person in this hotel that didn't know this convention was happening, and they just like maybe they tied one on the night before, they got shit faced, they woke up, they're like, what the fuck happened? so drunk I turned into Big Show. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I would go to these conventions and so I'd spend the whole year being essentially friend-zoned by all the, uh, by all the uh, tall ladies and then I go to and then, and, and then I go to the conventions and I'm hot. It's crazy. And uh, they dress it up like, oh, it's going to be like, it's it's for everyone to come together and talk and learn. Networking. And networking. No, yeah, networking. Nah, it's for voting. It's my opponent, so like I've I've got I've got dwarf sex stories that would make Pornhub go no. <laughs> you can turn us sideways. We can fit so many more in the bed. <laughs> You met at the church, they took you on a bus to a roller skating rink, you bring your sleeping bag, 
it's an all-night pizza party and roller skating and music and, and all the video games are free. And then on Saturday night and then Sunday morning, they had service at the roller skating. So it's a way to trap the younger kids to, you know, get them hooked on guy. So uh, I just knew there was like free pizza and video games. Oh yeah, I'm from this town. You know, I haven't been to this circuit. I'd love to go. So I go, but I'm 13, 12. 12, so I'm 6'2", 220, hair on my chest, shaving, um, size 14 roller skate, um, which is the biggest one they had. And uh, the girl at the time, which I will leave her name out to protect her identity, I'm sure she's moved on and is a lovely woman now. <clears throat> so she was uh, two years older than me. I think she was 14, about turned 50. And, um, it was my first kiss. We roller skated, we kind of talked by the pizza, you know, when you're young, how that goes, there's a look, you know, all that poor shit that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so she wanted me to kiss her by the lockers, which is a lie. Yeah, but, you know, looking back, like, no, if you really liked me, you'd have kissed me in front of everybody. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. So, of course, I kissed behind the lockers. So as we go behind the lockers, I got my first kiss, no tongue. Just a little bit of, of lips, and then I got tackled by the rental cop at the uh, Rose who thought I was a chaperone. Oh, wow, you thought you were adults. Chaperone kissing an underage girl. Oh, man. So they stuffed me and, like, literally threw a bag on my head like a terrorist. Yeah. Marched me outside with the roller skates still on my feet, pushing me outside, sat me down. I've got, uh, I'm handcuffed because the rental cop had handcuffs. I'm handcuffed sitting there, they pull the bag off, and where's your ID? I'm 12. <laughs> I don't have a f***ing ID. No. And I remember that, I don't, I'm 12, I don't, I don't have an ID, I don't even have a library card. <laughs> it's like, I had nothing at the time to show my age. I mean, we didn't have school IDs back then, there wasn't anything like right. that. Right, and they're like, no, you're 30, I see your pubes. <laughs> yeah, but you got more hair in your chest than I do, and I'm 35. Yeah. And uh, I remember um, that whole thing set me back for a long time. Well, sure, if that's your first, you know. Well, because then the rumors spread around town that, oh, he got that. I'm like, no, I. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, like, I mean, yeah. it's like, and you're already big, and then, like, you know, the teachers look at you kind of weird because they don't know, like, why are you in their class? Like, at 14, I was 6'8. So, and I couldn't fit in the little desk, which makes it worse. So I had you sit at a separate table with a chair. So you're already ostracized from the group. Everybody else is a desk, and we'll put that thing over in the corner. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. I mean, don't feel sorry for me. I've had a 25-year career and spent yeah. the world doing what I do. I'm great Yeah. But at the time, as a young man, like, when everybody else is doing all the cool things, like, I would see guys... You know, in the hall in, in, in middle school, like somebody would grab somebody's butt, you know, a girl would buy their pinch your butt. I wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? They'd take me out and shoot me. Yeah. You know, I never had the courage to even talk to girls. And, and I talked to my dad about it, and I was like all boo boo face and shit. And he goes, uh, There was a girl in the, uh, in the grocery store that I knew from school, and she was a little older, and she was really pretty, and I was like hiding behind my dad, because my dad was only like, 6'5", and I was like 6'8", he's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's so-and-so, she goes in the school, she's really pretty, he goes, so I'm so happy, go say hi. I can't, I can't, I can't, he goes, 
Follow the text. No matter how pretty, he was very salty. Again, born in a different era. You know, he says, I don't the text. He says, I don't care how pretty a girl is. Somewhere, somebody started. I'm just like, you know, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just like this. I'm like, I, I, I don't need all that. Just want to say hi. Yeah, I'm scared to say hello, but I think what you're saying is that, you know, people are people, right, Dad? Yeah. But he's the same person who gives that advice, and the same person say the best way to get a second kiss is never tell anybody you got the first. Which is really nice. Yeah. But he was nice until I irritated him. And then he was a man that was a mechanic his whole life, and I was bothering him. So, you know, it was that duality. It's, it's interesting what you, what you just said, Paul. I'm going to ask you the same question, Brian. You guys are different. You're so big. You're a little guy. But inside your bodies, like you said, you're a 12 year old kid. That and you're so. And so. so um, emotionally and mentally influenced and with the possibility of being scarred, people probably don't think about that when they're dealing with you when you're a kid. Well, people yeah. come up to all the time, like, you would never ask uh, somebody you never met before, you you're, you would be, you wouldn't come to, oh my god, do you know how big you are? You big? Oh my god, man. <laughs> I just noticed, but like, it, I had to learn a lot of patience with that. I think being big, younger in high school, Made it a little bit easier for a career in wrestling where people don't recognize you and come up to you. You always try to be nice, even when you're dragging ass, your knee hurts, you're late for your flight, all that shit, you still try to be nice because it's an experience for other people and you want to try to make it good. And even though sometimes we're human, you know, like I'm not always a cheery, funny fucking guy. I'm not. Like sometimes when I get stressed out, I'm at home, I got a cat in my lap and I've got a book and I'm not doing shit for the rest of the day. I can decompress, but. Um, you have to get, you have to learn a lot of, like you've learned through humor, I'm sure, you you don't call them on the f up shit they say because you understand they're not doing it for me, they just yeah. don't know. Yeah, they don't know. And that and that and that's why people ask me like, oh like uh, like what's the terminology? Do you wanna be called dwarf, little person, midget, whatever? Uh, I have to explain. Like, yeah, midget's the word you're not supposed to say, but one time I was in Odessa, Texas, and uh, I did I, I did a show and there was a heckler, and he got kicked out during the show. And fast forward to the end, I'm going to the car, lights turn on in the parking lot, and this pickup truck starts like reeling towards me in the opening act, and this guy leans out the door and just yells out, kill the dwarf! In that moment, I wasn't gonna stop and be like, ah, thanks for using the proper terminology, I appreciate that. <laughs> it wasn't the dwarf part that scared me, it was the kill them that had the problem I try to always remember people's intentions. Like, it, like if people's intentions are good, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, offer them a little forgiveness, and then hopefully politely well, try to explain. You gotta adjust it for it. Like, people come up to me and say, Oh my god, I hate to meet you in a dark alley. I'm like, why? I might know the way out. <laughs> <laughs> my dark alleys are scary. <laughs> why would you hate to meet me? I mean, What's cool is that you and I both found careers that our difference kind of helped as an asset. Absolutely, and also I think it's because of our careers, and this is where I'm gonna put myself on a high horse, real tall horse. Yeah. We've also, because of technology today and social media and people being able to see us and interact with us, it's normalizing our differences to everyone else as well. Yeah, now if you see a dwarf around, you have you have examples. You have people like Peter Dinklage, myself, uh, we. Which is one of my favorite actors, by the way. Uh, of course. My two favorite actors. 
Rogers or Peter Dinklage and Denzel Washington, of course, shoot. My two favorite actors. Yeah, spitting image of you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, but that's great. But you have examples that you can, that, so, and now uh, with people like yourself, when people see giants out in the world, they're, it like, it's like, no, every fat, bald guy with a fucking beard, somebody said, look, I found Big Show. No, that's, that's, that's not me, that's, that's Kevin James. That's, that's <laughs> Sorry, Kevin, love you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. away from my house and I and I walk my daughter to school uh, my daughter is also a little person but I like walking her to school because hey, it's time with my daughter but also the kids don't make fun of her at all they see the dude with the beard like okay that's different and like so kids are always just saying like you know from the mouth of babes they will always be honest so like the, literally like the second day I dropped her off there there there's a kid just walked up and went are you a boy or a man? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that without getting arrested, okay? I'm not, I'm not sure. If I hold you down, beat your little ass. Yeah, man. exactly. So, like, you, you just have to deal with that. But, like I said before, it's the intent thing. I, I, always, try to, I always try to remember. The kid's not trying to be mean. Right. They, don't, they, don't, they just don't have the language skills to be like, Hey, I noticed that you are not of an average size. Is there a reason? Is there, is there a particular reason why this happened? Yeah. Do, you, do you ever get the ones that go, ah! And they just start yep. crying. Just yep. flat out bawling. And you're like... Yep, I've gotten that. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get an ice cream from McDonald's. <laughs> I'm sorry I've scarred you for life, young person. Dude, the first, the, 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 all right, the first joke I ever wrote was kind of based on one of these, where uh, uh, I was doing, I, I, was in, I was in a hotel, and a guy saw me, and I have to do an accent for the joke, it just makes it better. Uh, but yeah, I don't know from what country he was from, but he saw me and he just yelled out, Oh my God, it's a demon! Get away from me, you little demon! And he yelled at me in a whole hell. And the guy called me a demon, so I just ran after him going, oh. like that. And dude, like, all that, and like, that was the very first joke I told on stage. It wasn't even a joke. Just a story that happened to me, and it was at that time where I was like, "Oh, I can use all of that." And now that's what I do. So when people when people say like, "Brad, how do you come up with your material?" It's really easy. Step one: be a dwarf. Step two: wait. <laughs> yeah, I get that too. Yeah. <laughs> how about um, when we first came in here, you you climbed the chair and said, "Have you seen what's on the climbing chair?" How about just every day? things that, you know, we live in this world and you guys, it's either for you driving a car or, yeah. you know, what are some of the obstacles that you have to deal with for both I, you guys? The one that no one thinks about that drives me nuts is every time I check into a hotel, sometimes the shower head 
is not pointed down. Oh, pointed right at your balls. <laughs> <laughs> For you. Like sometimes the shower head is pointed up or to the wall, and I either can't change it and I have to call down to the lobby, like you send someone up to point the shower head down, or I have too much pride and I start playing Cirque de Mige, and I like, <laughs> I climb up. I climb up, I'll grab hangers from the closet, and I'll like beat the shower head. The thing is, I like, no one really knows how they're gonna die. I know how I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be up there trying to adjust the shower head and go, oh, and then I'm just gonna fall back. That's how. That's how I'm gonna go. And then I'll end up there with some kind of weird masturbation. Yeah. Shower. Brad Williams had a coat hanger in the bathtub and found dead this morning. What the hell was he trying to do in there? How about for you, Paul? Uh, same kind of thing. Shower heads. Uh, bathrooms are always the worst for me because. Like, uh, the stalls in the bathroom sometimes, like in airports and stuff, like when you gotta go. One of the weird experiences that happened to me was in uh, Minneapolis, the airport in Minneapolis. I was in the bathroom. You're welcome. In Minneapolis, all right. Yes, your parents in Minneapolis. <laughs> I'm in the stall, but my shoulders are just as wide as the stall. So you're just like... So like, if I'm gonna wipe, I need to get the paper first and kind of get the arm back there in a ready position. <laughs> so as I sit down, like I get paper first and sit down back here. Here we go. All right, we are clear. Here we go. And stand. That's sometimes... But I remember being in the toilet in Minnesota, and I'm sitting there, and I see some guy's shoes come up to the door, but they're facing the door. I'm like, well, it's locked. Surely he's not going to open the door. Plus, it's going to hit me right in the fucking knees. So, and then a cell phone camera comes over the top. No, no. But what the genius didn't realize is, is I also have long arms. <laughs> so I just reached up and plucked his phone and put it in the toilet. And said, "You lost that, buddy." <laughs> and then <laughs> there's a. I might have crushed the phone in my hand before I did that. Um, there was the indecision of two or three steps back and forth, and then finally it showed better judgment and just all messed up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you do? Right, right, right. But what about internationally? We've traveled all over the world so many times. What are some of the countries you would imagine like Japan or something would be terrible for you? Japan, I don't know. My first trip to Japan was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Went over to WCW. Uh, and uh, we got to the hotel, and it was a business hotel. And I'd been 15 hours on a plane from Atlanta. And back then, I couldn't fit in the bathroom to go to the bathroom on the plane. So if you know me, me going 15 hours without doing number, like I, I literally walk and shit two or three times a day. That's just too long. Not to me to know that, but you're welcome to have one. So I get to Japan, I've got to go. It's a 55 minute bus ride from the airport to the hotel. I've got to go to the bathroom. And the hotel is so small, like if I lay down in bed, my feet would touch the wall and my head would touch the wall. And it's, it's made for smaller people to just sleep in. They don't stay in it, but we got put in it. So I'm trying to get in the bathroom and the toilet is that close to the wall. So I don't have, and I was, 500 at the time, 509, quarter ton of fun, baby. So I'm trying to get, I can't even make ass contact with the seat because it's too close to the wall. And I can't lean over because the bathroom runs out of wall right here. So I'm like 
this is this is not gonna work. This is not gonna work. This is gonna be a mess. This is gonna be a mess. And I'm so frustrated because I know I'm just going to spray like a nurse spreader and say, F it and change rooms at this point. Like it's just I, I cannot stop that and I just out of frustration I smack the wall with my forearm. Just just a big and then the wall fell in the heart of it. Because <laughs> it was partitioned. All of a sudden I had all kinds of room. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember poor Lex Luger's going down the hall to his room and he's pulling his bag by and he looks at me and goes, giant shit fit? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was in Japan with uh, Yokozuna once, oh, yeah, uh, Rodney, and he had to use the bathtub. Oh, that, was, that was Andre's thing too. Andre on some hotels would use the bathroom and just spam it. Like, because they, they have little, they don't have regular person, like long bathtubs. They're shorter, so it's like a little square box for you. It'd be perfect. Oh, it'd be a two-bedroom apartment. Right. So, but that was Andre's thing. Andre would go in the bathtub and then, you know. Waffle stop! <laughs> when, is that what you order? <laughs> or is that your last thing you searched on the internet? I don't know. <laughs> when, we, when we went to Iraq, um, remember what they had to do for you there? The bed? Yeah. Mount Olympus? Yeah. The bed? You took a, we took a picture you said, the soldiers were so excited that we were coming, like, oh, the big, and I don't know how, sometimes people mythologically think I'm, like, from the Bible or something, that I'm much bigger than I am. Because they built this bed for me in Iraq that was, it came up to Chris's shoulder. Yeah, true story. You know, and it was almost as big as this ring, half the size of this ring, huge, and it's like, I don't take up a lot of bed, I'm kind of an edge sleeper, and... I've got dogs and cats and shit, so I'm not a guy that's going to spread out all over the place. So. But I'm almost like I had to jump up to get in the bed. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, I really need to make sure I remember where I am, because if I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and forget, I'll f die. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my life, honey. <laughs> Every that you have, like, you know, we've been doing this for so long. We went to Iraq. We were staying in one of Saddam Hussein's palaces after they took it over. Uh, toilet made of gold. Like, this is the real deal. It, yeah, it, it's absurd, just the amount of just, like, really? Yeah, and in the middle of this whole barracks is this giant bed with Big Show sleeping on top of it with a Sleep apnea thing. <laughs> yes, it, it's a it's a great. I, I I have a CPAP machine. I'm not embarrassed to say that I use it. I like to think of it when I go to sleep. I'm like Tom Cruise in Top Gun. I'm ready to go. I just sleep next to a pit bull and a martial artist wife. That's what I do. Well, here, here's my thing. I've had dogs. I've got 12 cats now. Twelve cats? Twelve cats. I am... Who says giants don't get pussy? Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, when I was younger, I knew when I got in the wrestling business, and I knew I was like, you know what? I'm going to be rich, famous, and surrounded in pussy. The dog looked at me and went, gotcha. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, uh, uh, our backs aren't great. Uh, thankfully, I've been very lucky. I, I, I've only had one dwarf-related surgery that was on my right leg because it was bowing in like that, and so they had to straighten it. Uh, but other than that, that's it. But a lot of little people have to have multiple surgeries on their legs, on their backs. Um, a lot of, it's something that we actually have in common. A lot of dwarfs have sleep apnea as well. Uh, I do not, thankfully, although, <laughs> Never really been tested. Maybe I do. Uh, but yeah, so there are things you just have to be aware of. And uh, but thankfully, like people go like, oh, like how long are you gonna live? And I go, well, I don't know. But at the same time, like it, it's kind of like the like the small dogs live longer than the big dogs. So I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm alright. Uh, with with giants and people with acromegalia, there's a high propensity for, as they get older for diabetes. Um, heart disease, stuff like that, because, again, I'm very lucky that I don't have that because I was already going to be big, so I don't have an abnormally large heart, I don't have uh, problems like that, I'm super healthy that way, the only thing I have is just wear and tear from 25 years of wrestling joints, but um, the left knee is replaced, left and right hips have been replaced, and after this cruise, I'll get a partial replacement on this knee, and then watch stuff. Yeah, because I don't have any more joint problems. He's more machine now than that. That's it, baby. But I will set off in a uh, metal detector at the airport like Vegas. It's hysterical. You mentioned, Brad, that you know you guys, the, the giant and, and little person, helped you with your respective careers. How, how did you get led into comedy? <laughs> Uh, I got into comedy, I was at a comedy show, I'll never forget this, this was March of 20, uh, 2004, and, uh, 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 no, it was three, so, yeah, anyway, but I was in the audience of a comedy show, uh, I brought my dad, because we both like comedy, and then the comedian's on stage making midget jokes, and half the audience is laughing, and the audience that's sitting by me is like, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and, and the comedian notices, he looks over, he's like, what the like, these are funny jokes. Why aren't you guys laughing? It goes, what? Is one of them here? And I just raised my creepy little hand in the air like, yeah, dude, what's up? And to, to, to the comics' credit, they didn't even flinch. Uh, they called me up on stage and started asking me questions. And, I, and I, I answered the questions honestly. I wasn't trying to be funny, but my answers got laughs. Like, uh, the, the comedian asked me, like, hey, what, uh, so what do you do for a living? And at the time, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I worked at Disneyland, so I said, I worked at Disneyland. And the, the audience started laughing like that. And then I turned to the audience and I was like, F you, I'm not one of the seven. Yeah. <laughs> and the audience laughed again, so I'm like, ooh, I got something here. And uh, from then on out, I started doing, uh, doing stand-up comedy, going to, going to open mic nights. And if you want to hear a crazy, awesome, full circle story, I'm in Houston, Texas one night, okay? Houston, Texas. And I look over, and on the side of the stage, there is another little person in the audience. And I start cracking a couple jokes at him. He's cracking them back at me. And I'm like, 
holy shit. And like, and this guy's funny. And then I go, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a stand-up comedian. And I'm like, do you want to do time right now? I have 10 minutes left of my show. I don't care. I got an opportunity years ago. I wanted to pay it forward. So I go, do you want to do time? And he goes, yeah. And he, go, and he goes on stage, tells some jokes. He kills, gets a standing ovation with 10 minutes of material. And, and, then, I, and then I go on stage and I, and, and I finish up. We talk afterward. And uh, he goes, dude, you have no idea. Like, I'm trying to get in with this club. It's called the Houston Improv. I'm trying to get in with them. They just saw me and they started booking him. And you want to know what's something even cooler? That guy is sitting right there. That's the comedian. That's him. Did not plan that. So, his name, and I swear to you this is his last name. I'm not joking. His, his legal name is Clinton Shorter. Okay? That's it. Yeah, God has a sense of humor. Exactly. So, I got to pay it forward, and now Clinton's opened up for me a few dates, and he's a huge wrestling fan, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him on this cruise very, very soon. Last two things, Paul, uh, I'm saying this not just because you're here, I always say it. You mentioned that you had a 25-year career and then used your size to your advantage. In my opinion, and it's right, um, you are the best in-ring working big man of all time at your size. Like, Andre was, was, a, was a legend. And there's been a lot of takers that's not a giant, but dude, you really found your niche in this business um, with your personality, with your size. So obviously, when you first started wrestling, did you feel that I could really use this and be this, you know, be this good? Uh, no, I had no idea of being good at it. I didn't. I went in, understand, when I went in, I was the youngest guy. You were in the same age I was. We're the same age. All the guys that work on top were 10, 15 years old than us, and we'd all kind of grown up watching it. You know, like when I first went to WCW, I met Hulk Hogan uh, at a charity basketball game who had me come to a show in Chicago to meet the then Booker Ric Flair. And Jim Hart met me at the back, and he just took me in the locker room. I got a leather trench coat on, my hair's long, I'm dressed in the Chicago winter. So I go in this locker room and I am freaking out on the inside. Oh my God, there's Paul Orndorff, there's Arn Anderson, there's Sting. Well, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm against the wall like this. Because I'm trying to play cool. I don't want to, like, get all excited and get kicked out. Meanwhile, Arnie Anderson, and he'll tell you this story, thinks that one of the guys owes the mom money and thinks I'm going to get it. So he's telling Paul Orndorff, and Paul Orndorff has his buck knife from his bag in case she goes back. Like, no, I'm just happy to be here, guys. You know, so I had no idea. I just knew that uh, I had gone through a transition of being a basketball player. I lost my coach, my grandfather, my dad, all in the same year. My coach got fired. I got lost. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was at that young age, 21, 22, where before, I honestly thought I was going to have to find a job. I was going to have to go to diesel mechanic school or whatever that option was. But just talking with people, my buddy asked me, he says, what do you want to do with your life? You know, he was going to get me a trial with the Bears to play football and uh, to try to make their practice squad. And I was like, you know, I've always been a wrestling fan. You know, and this is before the internet, back when you had to know somebody. And I said, uh, I'd love to be, I'd love to try it. I said, 
I might not be good at it, but can you imagine being in the ring with, if I get a chance to be in the ring with like Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair or some of these guys, like, you know, I could die happy just meeting them, yeah. you know? And then, you know, going forward, uh, you know, one of my big title, first title wins was against Ric Flair. First time I met Ric Flair, he was so polite. God bless you, Ric Flair, nice to meet you. And I had to go outside Chicago, you know, had that ramp outside the locker room, the yeah. tunnel. I leaned on that concrete wall. I was almost fainted because I met Ric Flair. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and now I see him a couple of times in Tampa and we gym him all the time. Uh, you know, you never know your life. I will say this, you never know where your life's going to take you. And I was in a place that I was very down and didn't have any prospects, no goals, no vision, no plan, all the happy horse shit that they tell you, have your vision, have your goal, work towards your goal. That's great if you know what you want to do. Sometimes it's just as simple as taking an opportunity that's in a different direction that you have no idea. Taking a win. You know, for me, it was a chance that I took. I actually bought Kurt Henning drinks at the Pacific Club, Walter Payton's bar. And I only had $80 to my name. Bought Kurt Henning 70 something dollars worth of drinks, and he was supposed to give me a name to a wrestling school. And he says, yeah, yeah, I'll give you the name to Brad Rick at school. Let me go to the bathroom, I'll be right back. Well, he went to the bathroom and he left. <laughs> so then when I ran into him at WCW, he goes, hey, I see you made it. <laughs> <laughs> Last question for you guys. What's the best thing and the worst thing about being a giant and a little person? All right, uh, okay. Do you have it? Do you have on top of my head, yeah. Okay, cool. I think the, the, the best thing about being a Giants is giving me a career. It's, uh, I'm a small town kid from South Carolina. I've been all over the world. Uh, I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for the fact that my size has helped me to work with things that I really care about, like Special Olympics and Best Buddies and stuff like that, because uh, it, it's given me an avenue to give back because of what I do. Uh, the worst, probably the worst thing about being this big, um, you can't get away with shit. Everybody knows everything you're doing. You can't hide. You know? Like, I try to sneak off and get a hot dog, everybody's gonna tell, hey, I just saw Big Show sneak off and get a hot dog. You know? Then the owner of the company, uh, so you had hot dogs this weekend at the live events. Four on one of my. Organization. 
he would go into meetings and sit in the back and just listen to all these guys just, and dwarves just bitch about their lives and how much it sucks and everything. And then one day he stood up and went, hey, I'm about to be a father of a little person. Can you guys tell me anything good? Tell me anything good. Give me any sort of hope. And this one dwarf walks up to him and goes, yeah, everybody remembers you. And that has been so true. I'm in a business where eyeballs are the currency. You're, you're, you're trying to get as many people to know who you are as you can. And everybody remembers you. If you go on Google right now and just type in midget funny guy, I'll probably pop up, okay? It's pretty great. So the fact that I am in a business where, uh, uh, where being remembered is a form of currency, then it's helped me. It's actually helped me. So for that, I wouldn't change a goddamn thing. All right, Brian Williams, ladies and gentlemen.